0: Welcome aboard the Neighbour Food Show. Hello. Today's guest is a freelance food writer. She has written and photographed extensively for publications such as the Irish Times, the Sunday Business Post, Easy Food Magazine, Image Interiors and Living Magazine and more for the last 12 years. She works on TV and was the recent winner of the pretty major title of Cookery Writing Award from the newly launched Irish Food Writing Awards
1: you may know our guest from her incredibly prolific instagram account where she keeps everyone up to date with her personable and enjoyable kitchen creations we got to talk to her about the art of food writing and what her job is all about we got into feeding the family and how you build a good food culture at home and we found out what she loves about her job the most and the best thing about being a food writer
0: we are of course talking to Lily
2: Higgins. Hello, Welcome, Lily. Lily. Hi. Sorry I'm so late, lads. I was trying to use a, um, an iPad, even though I know you said PC. Now,
0: the first question we asked her was, which books and writers are inspiring her at the moment?
2: Oh, well, I, I got ones like that I love from other people that I wanted to yeah, yeah. share with you. Yeah. yeah, is that all right? Do you want to get them? I'll get them and they're really good. Dude. Absolutely. Dude, dude, dude. Go for it.
1: Show, show us your secrets.
2: Uh huh. She's back. There's a serious amount of books under the <laughs> hand. What have you got there, Lily? <laughs> so I do have a few favourites. So um, you know Anna Jones. You might know her. She's got this book, yep. One Pot Pan Planet, and I love that because um, there's a real focus on. First of all, it's The recipes are really easy and often they're just like one tray or one pan. Um, And then they're very focused on the environment. So environmentally friendly, seasonal recipes. And I'm pretty sure it's completely vegetarian as well, actually. Um, But I really love that book. And she's got sections in it where it's just like 10 things to do with greens, 10 things to do with cauliflower, 10 things to do with potatoes. You know, it's actually jam-packed. If I was to go through it, like she says, um, over 200 simple recipes. But there's loads of kind of mini ideas thrown around as well. Really, like that's what you want. So even last night I had um, a big butternut squash that I still hadn't used. So I just looked it up and I did, um, she had the butternut squash, quick katsu curry in it. And I just did that for dinner and it was beautiful. Gorgeous. So um, it's just trying to find things like that, like looking in the fridge. And then I look at her book and I look up vegetable and she's got loads of ideas for it so I do love that so it's Anna Jones um and then this one is Olia Hercules she's kind of around a lot now because she's Ukrainian um this is mamushka and it is an absolutely okay. beautiful uh-huh. book she's, she's got another one I think it's called summer kitchen um but it's all Ukrainian recipes like loads of dumplings I know she was doing lots of wow. dumpling workshops online during um during during lockdown and everything so um but it's really beautiful and it's just uh like the Ukrainian recipes are like a mix of kind of all the Russian influence and Polish and everything Mm -hmm. but then there's also kind of Chinese and Asian and the style of cooking is amazing so there's like dill and coriander and raw garlic in the stew at the end and it's really, really incredible. Mm. So it's great that a lot of people now have been discovering Olia and all her work and everything. So that's really good. So I do love her book, and I've been cooking a lot from it lately because of that. Um, and then Tacos, I'd say you've seen this. It's Lily Ramirez yeah. Foreign. So this is the yeah. new book um, out by Blaster, and it is beautiful. Like I've been waiting mm. for it for ages. Um, so I really love that. And I've done a few things from that. Um, and then this is another one, it's Hawa Hassan um it's called BB's kitchen and it's yeah, it's all yeah. african recipes and it's okay, really well. really great um, so it just says from eight African countries that touch the Indian Ocean. It's all recipes and stories from grandmothers, like African grandmothers. So so BB just means like your grandmother. Um, oh, but this is it. one of the books that I would bring to bed and just read all the stories because they're fantastic. And some of the recipes are unbelievably vague. So there's things like you know peanut butter stew and things like that. But these are women who've been cooking these recipes for years and years. They don't want to share the recipe clearly, so they're just <laughs> kind of giving very vague instructions. And like you were saying. Now, they're leaving out one simple you know they're leaving out something i just know they are but um but the recipes are gorgeous and it's just like it's like a breath of fresh air you know because i know years ago um we started talking about decolonizing our bookshelves you know the way like if you look at your bookshelf it's all just white european or american writers the food is all the same it's like my hot take yeah. on this chicken milanese recipe or whatever so it's all really really similar but like we have access to really cool ingredients and like in bb's kitchen like what african recipes for cabbage there's a million different things and it's all really different to what the irish recipes would be for cabbage so Mm. i do love that book um and then of course my absolute adoration of the middle east palestine on a plate absolutely gorgeous so um, i have lebanese kitchen i have loads of different books but i do love um judy calla's Palestine, the place it's absolutely gorgeous so these are all kind of the kind there's kind of a thread here actually these are all kind of um you know swirls, nostalgic swirls yeah sort of world cuisine but all handed down through generations which is so important mm. and isn't often um these are recipes that can be lost so i really love that the all of these recipes are now in books and which is really really fantastic because we get to use them get to
0: make beautiful. I'm interested in that Ukrainian book, obviously because of what's happening at the moment. Is there any recipe? I I mean, it's absolutely unfathomable really, to be honest, what's, what's happening there. But tell me, is there any dish that you've actually cooked from that cookbook that you could talk about?
2: There's a, um, there's a stew sort of a broth that I made. Where's it now? Sort of a chicken. It's sort of a chicken broth and it's actually Georgian. She was saying it is the peak Russian broth. Um, But she adds raw garlic at the very end of that and yeah. loads and loads of um yeah there's loads of Azerbaijani chicken and mutton soup this incredible soup, but she adds loads and loads of um raw garlic and dill and just stirs it through at the very end it's I can't find it. the exact recipe now but it is absolutely gorgeous and her yogurt drop scones as well um okay. but it's it's a very distinctive style of cooking and i think mm. and there's loads of fermented things in it as well of course there's mm. armenian pickles and gherkins but there's a whole chapter on fermented food in it. But mm. I think that it's, um it's a really good way to get to know a country and understand the people there. And like, it's mm. real family orientated. Like, it's like the whole community gets together, you know, during the summer to like, mm. they have summer kitchens where they preserve all the food. And, you know, it's just a really good way to get to know a country and to get to know culture um, through their food. I think. Mm.
1: Mm. I yeah, it's great when you visit a place to tasting as you go, as a point of entry to things, it's, by far the easiest way to kind of get to know a place I think definitely you
0: here. yeah definitely I love cookbooks as well by the way I love looking at the pictures of cookbooks I
2: yeah. know I always like bring them up to bed with me and then don't necessarily you know read the recipes I just read all the intro bits you know look at the pictures
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a thought recently Lily that a, the cookbook is the hardest working book in the house and w- with the kind of with the passing of encyclopedias and those types of things, the cookbook really is the last return to book that we kind of buy, isn't it?
2: Exactly. And it's it's something that you kind of need. Like last yesterday, for example, my kids were using my phone. So they had their um, mm-hmm. cousin on like a FaceTime call and they were all playing together with him on FaceTime. So I didn't have access to my phone, but I wanted mm-hmm. to cook this recipe. But then I remembered I actually had it in a book real life Ah. book so I was able to take out the book and have it open next to the cooker and and it's was that I wasn't distracted you know I think if you pick up your phone to look for a recipe you end up opening all sorts of things you know checking Twitter and Instagram and your emails and before you know 20 minutes is gone and onions are burnt so it's like (laughs) way better to have an actual physical book that you can refer to and there's so much there as well you know I think a lot of recipes online can be kind of vague whereas You know, some there's been an editor involved with the cookbook and it's been through a lot of different people. It's not just the recipe writer. So, you know, it's going to be perfect. So that's why I love cookbooks. And there's such a lovely physical thing to have in your hand as well, aren't they? Yeah.
0: Do you make little notes on the side of the recipes when you're in your cookbook In your cookbooks when you read through them?
2: I do a lot of the time. Yeah, I actually do a lot of the time or, you know, different changes that I've made um so I love when there's space around the recipe actually for exactly that just to sort of oh, write in different that things, too, actually. But, yeah 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 and you can make it your own um but I would say one of my worst habits is getting a cookbook that I really love and then insisting someone takes it you know borrows it and I insist you know and they're saying no no it's fine it's fine and I'm like no you love it you love it I just got it yesterday and you're gonna love it <laughs> And then, you know, people always forget and then they have your book for like two years and you have to buy it again. (laughs) But I always do that. I like insist the person takes the book for some bizarre reason. It's like an issue I have. Um, But I do love sharing physical cookbooks. You know, I'm one of those people that sends on links to things Mm. as well. You know, you love this link to this recipe. And, you know, or if I'm cooking something for someone and they love it, then I'll say to them, here's the recipe. And, you know, you love it. And but so with books, then it's kind of an expensive habit to do to give away you know 30 euro books every time I buy them but I've held on to some sure. I've held on some good ones
1: and you know I think so, you're dead well, right I... as well about about trying to turn to the book rather than to the web because most most recipes end up on the web now mm. but by filtering through the book that's only how you open your mind up and think about doing something a little bit different whereas when you're just going online and googling all the time you start pigeonholing your own inspiration a little bit. And you start kind of focusing yeah. in on, on what what's already in your mind as opposed to exposing to new things. One of the, t- the things that I discovered about cookbooks years ago is pick food writers that actually are food writers by profession as opposed to chefs from a restaurant. Mm.
0: Oh, because yeah.
1: chefs from a restaurant are writing books to promote their restaurant, whereas mm. food writers are writing books to actually write recipes.
0: Good point. That's really That's true. very interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I
1: started realizing that recipes were way more correct or as in like that they worked really really well mm-hmm. from food writers as opposed to because the restaurant ones often like they pull out one or two ingredients because they don't want to give it exactly the same as it is in but don't yeah, do you
0: think that they've been <laughs> trialing an error like the whole time inside their restaurant and they've got like that feedback directly from customers like wouldn't you nearly think that they'd be
1: better
2: in a way because they've cooked that dish so many times
1: i think they hold one or two things back
2: Mm, or they don't give you you know the the recipe that you go to the restaurant for specifically that won't be included Mm -hmm. in the book i know that's happened to me a few times you flick through the book for like the recipe and it's not there or it's a different version of it you know so um, a home
1: home home version with home equipment like or whatever yeah Yeah. if
2: you don't have a smoker you can do this you know (laughs) (laughs) or i just realize how how complicated the recipes are you know how much effort like
1: just on the topic of cookbooks because sometimes you you might be looking for like a classic recipe Mm -hmm. and what i would tend to do let's let's say banana bread i would tend to have a couple of different chefs that i um would use for um tagging on at the end of google so like you kind of know that there are these chefs who've done almost every recipe and you throw their name in at the end to try and get their version of it do you do that is there any particular chefs you use for the quick google and throwing i'm
2: trying to think who do i who do i do that to like i do love jamie oliver like you know he's got a huge team behind him as well so that recipe would have been tried and tested and usually like the past few years anyway his are kind of slightly healthier um and And the
1: fewest numbers of ingredients i find as well
2: yeah you know like he's an encouraging
1: Yeah, it's an easy version of whatever it is that you want to do. Exactly.
2: So I would look to him, sometimes Nigella, but you know what? I find actually Nigella's baking recipes never really, you know, if I'm looking for Mm. something fast, I would never look up a Nigella baking recipe, but I would look up kind of a pasta or, you know, sort of an easier version. But more often than not, I actually look up um, a website. Like I would look up Bon Appetit or BBC Mm. Good Food or something rather than an actual named chef like Bon Appetit, I would, I would look up a good bit. Or Delicious Magazine or something like that. Um, and actually Olive Magazine, which I think mm-hmm. is in Australia, often have really nice, relaxed um, home cooking recipes that I like.
1: Okay. Yeah, I usually put in Diana Henry after a name oh, if yeah. I'm looking for a recipe because she's done so many. They're not yeah. exactly the easiest. Sometimes they're a little bit, but they're generally incredibly well-tested recipes. I know. They
2: would they really you try, try next time? Lily Higgins know uh, yeah <laughs> <By> lily <Nichols. laughs> lasagna lily higgins well, well, that fair, lily, your
0: recipes are really good and like every time i see your instagram feed i i i light up like i mean they're, they're great you've, you've obviously done plenty of testing like in the kitchen
2: oh, thanks julian i think i've like cooked everything at the stage like i think yeah, pastures, so that's actually
1: what i was just gonna say is that it that works when a food writer has been working for so long that it's, it's almost guaranteed to give you a recipe and you almost are at that level now how long have you been a food writer
2: I would say maybe 12 years I think yeah I think about 12 11 or 12 years I'd say um so like Liam is 10 he's my eldest mm. and like I was pregnant with Liam when my first book came out so mm-hmm. and I had been writing for about a year before I got the book so that's how I kind of judge it Okay. um but I just think the world of freelance writing is so kind of you know there's no official start and stop to it mm. um mm. but my first ever piece was for easy food magazine um and that was that was 12 years ago I think that piece for easy wow. food magazine it was just like that's when I started my monthly columns with them um, yeah. and it just started with a food blog actually I started writing in my food blog and then that led to the weekly column so that was before blogs were a thing and they're okay. almost gone now, like, aren't they? There's yeah, no, yeah. you know, food bags. The they account. kind of
0: are. It's nearly all Instagram reels and and what yeah, Like, Yeah, the seven yeah.
2: second TikTok has been exactly. replaced. I think,
0: <laughs> I think our yeah. attention span is completely gone now. Like, unless yeah. you get people instantaneously, they, they just forget about it, don't they? So,
2: yeah, I think so. Or yeah. yeah. um, the but, online
1: publications that have a couple of contributors, I think, have replaced the blog to a certain... Yeah. It's like, raise the standard... And upped the number of entries into it. And that's what people follow now, like Food 52 or any of these types of mm, yeah. uh, groups and things. Um, do you like the job is pretty varied? No? So you spend a lot of time cooking and writing recipes, thinking and being creative, and then practically pulling those together, photographing them. What else is involved in actually doing the whole thing? Because I'm kind of fascinated.
2: Yeah, um, eating loads of eating um which is my favorite part and food shopping is my favorite part because uh like it all starts with the ingredients really doesn't it and you know like I might not feel like cooking anything but then I get like a beautiful you know head of cauliflower or something and I'm thinking wow you know I want to do this justice like it's Irish it's organic it's you know it's cost me four euro you know I'm gonna do something amazing with this so Um, I think whenever I'm looking for inspiration I just look to the food because that's where it starts from and I just think mm-hmm. what can I do with this to make it incredible and make a meal out of it and make the most mm-hmm. of it um but yeah I often I don't really read that much of other people's stuff um unless they're doing something really fresh and new and usually it's actually kind of younger people who have like little startup you know they're making their own pickles or mm. you know like that's what I really get inspiration from is people like that who are doing you know really fun inventive things with energy and they inspire me then and sort of Mm -hmm. the ideas get fizzing and that's sort of how things start for me um but there is so much like it's it's hard to be sort of self-employed and freelance and everything let me tell you guys no I know (laughs) I know you know how hard it is it's isn't it crazy and then you know everyone's like you're so lucky you're your own boss and you're like yeah so you're kind of hopping from foot to foot like the way you do with so many different caps you know doing you know photography work and doing filming and you know I was going to film recipes the other day but the light just wasn't right in the kitchen it was just so gray and I was really looking forward to filming things and then I just had to sort of reschedule everything um instead so it's kind of like you know, what you're in the mood for and, you know, mm. what you have accessible to you if you have the right ingredients and things like that. And of course, deadlines as well. Always the deadline will be the last, my last resort, you know, what's the work I actually have to do. That's going to yeah. be the stuff that I sort of leave to last usually. So, mm. brazen. Mm. But lately, okay. I do love working with, when a brand comes to me, that's one of my favourite elements that's only come up the past few years, you know, where someone comes to me and they're saying like, how can we use our peanut butter or whatever it is? you know, in yeah. sort of new, fresh, hey. inventive ways. And I okay. really love that, you know. Okay. Um, so you're but, finding
0: ways to incorporate these into some of the ingredients um, that you're using in your recipes. That's what you're doing, is it?
2: Yeah. So, like, I like doing that, like, um, or, you know, if, if there's a brand and they've always been seen as, you know, kind of stuffy or kind of old school or, you know, people pigeonhole them, you know, they will come to me and say, we need to show people that there's more to, you know, there's more yeah. to rhubarb than just sweet baking. And I'm like, yeah, there's this Iranian rhubarb stew with lamb that you're gonna love. And, you know, so it's, it's yeah, all this type yeah, of thing, yeah, you know, yeah. where, you know, all the sort of years and years of reading and eating can kind of, they're in there somewhere. And I can kind of pull from that to yeah. um, communicate brands, their recipes and their ingredients and stuff like that. Yeah, I love so, that um, you know what I work. think yeah.
1: that is, Lily? Because for me, that that says, when you put the blinkers on, it's more enjoyable. So like mm-hmm. by focusing in and saying I have this one product peanut butter I have to try and be inventive or think what to do with this one thing and mm-hmm. I actually really do think that that's a bit of a problem with cooking now versus cooking 40 or 50 years ago with like the 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 available the 100% availability all the time but also the 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 huge amount of different things that you can kind of cook with mm-hmm. so you have people cooking from recipes rather than what's available so it's like I'd love to have a dinner party tonight they take out all their cookbooks they pick five different recipes Mm. and they don't have one thing in any of them and then they head (laughs) off for six hours shopping trying to find (laughs) Mm. you know an avocado and teff flour and some type of Mexican hot sauce and the whole thing it the enjoyment is kind of removed out of it so for me I find I try my best not to start that way I try my best to pick places I like to shop from so that Mm -hmm. butcher always has good stuff that veg shop always has good stuff whatever Mm -hmm. and then I I go and whatever looks the best in that moment impulse buy it Mm -hmm. and then come home and then try and say because and then it just puts the blinkers on and it actually makes it way more enjoyable because you're giving yourself a bit of a limit Mm. um, on it you mentioned about um eating being your favorite part and I think it is tempting to say that a food writer's job is probably you you think it might be the best job in the world you know Uh, certainly for me because I love cooking so much but then it made me think about it more is actually being a food writer's family the best job in the world do you I would say so yes
2: and but they do um you know if they see me sort of fussing over something and styling something and then taking on photographs or videoing something for ages and you know I need everyone quiet in the kitchen if there's audio on it you know because lately this whole ASMR thing of you know leaves crunching and onions chopping mm. you know you need all those sounds so it's, it's mm, difficult yeah. to film that in a busy house but anyway um usually then when I give out the dinner and everyone's sitting down the kids are like can we eat this you know yeah or they're really mm-hmm. good to you know if they see biscuits cooling like I it could just be a normal day where I've made biscuits and they're cooling on the rack and they'll say like can I take a biscuit will I take the wonky looking one you know do you want me to yeah. take the one that's broken at the edge you know so they're actually so funny but um, I'd say they're, they are 6, 9 and 10 now but they are so opinionated like I've created a monster basically because they're so yeah. fussy um, and during the summer like they were at someone's barbecue and they were saying um, the buns aren't warm you know the buns aren't warm yeah, you know, they were, it remember. was my three kids were the ones <laughs> freaking out that the buns weren't warm and you know the way it was just like barbecue loads of kids and everyone was just sort of firing the food at the kids first but yeah. my three were sort of sitting at the table like oh my god you know the buns ones- are <laughs> so they're like yeah. so but, and like I did not intend for that to happen at all but it's just what they're yeah. used to you know at home and it's it's really funny to see it in the wild you know to see them doing that in the wild and like I made this soup for them the other day like lentils you know like sort of there's loads of different varieties and loads of different cultures of it you know lentils and tomatoes and coconuts and cumin and all this sort of stuff um mm. but Hazel was like I'm not tasting cumin i'm not tasting cumin you know she was all really defiant about it and i was like no it's there it's there you know she's like some spoons it hits me other spoons it's not there you know she was just really funny about it um so like i don't know what they're going to be like when they're adults i mean hopefully they learn how to cook or else they'll be total pains like imagine going into restaurants she being really so fussy, fussy. Yeah. yeah not a mind restaurants so, think about their
1: husbands and wives i
2: know that's yeah totally but i would love for them to be able to cook i mean i think it's just such a life skill isn't it so at least they yeah, have yeah. opinions about what's right but it'll be different once it comes to them cooking I would
1: no say. necessity must like um when you get a taste for something you like um yeah you learn you learn how to make it happen it's funny you 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 talk about them and being exposed to loads of different things and you 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 worry that out in the wild they might not be able to properly survive but I remember having being with a friend of mine who had a four-year-old daughter and she was delivered a glass of orange juice in a restaurant and she really politely asked the waitress do you have any orange juice that's made from oranges um (laughs) and (laughs) Like four years of age, you know, (laughs) discerning taste, and and you you definitely don't really want to create a snob. So I I, know, yeah, exactly. Okay, so this is good because this is the thing I actually wanted to chat to you about, like selfishly. So I have children now. I've Mm. I've known you for quite a long time since before I had kids. Now Mm. I have kids, and you're my go-to person to talk to about feeding children because it's I had so many opinions about it before you, you know, before they're there, and now they're here, and it's, it's a really tricky thing. So. First of all, my first thing I'll say about it is they use food as their first tool for defiance. So oh. my minor, by the way, are eight and two. So mm-hmm. Ada, who's eight, will food is the one thing she kind of has control over. Like mm-hmm. we decide ultimately what clothes she needs to wear. She's mm-hmm. obviously allowed to choose what she wants on random occasions. But in school, she has to wear a uniform, you know, when she has a shower, when she goes to bed, the whole thing is quite controlled. So food mm-hmm. is her. Her kind of frontier where she has the power to say no and then of course there's another side of it which is that you don't want to Nazi the food situation at home you know you want them to enjoy it you want them to pick different things but their palate just seems to pigeonhole down to Mm. white to starch to to meat and no veg or whatever the case may be with a kid so if I was to start the conversation about about cooking for family where where do you come from on the on the start Think, thinking about cooking kids where where do you come from in terms of like accessibility and making it fun for kids well
2: yeah I would say like my my three are all completely different but I'd say my middle child mm. is, is you know he he like loves crackers bread rolls you know plain pasta you know things like that so but I would say it is definitely a control thing for them and you're so right what you're saying like it's the one thing that they have a bit of control over so I would say just giving them the control you know I mean they love they love food shopping on the way to school like even this morning I was saying what do you want for dinner we always talk about what do you want for dinner on the way to school and you know they all sort of voted out what do they want and you know I mean yesterday we were you know we were talking about pancakes and everything and then they were saying you know duck pancakes you know this type of thing so wow. you know they come up with loads of different options themselves mm. and I was like that's a really good idea or you know that's too you're giving away your secrets now I know it's is Just coming based from on our them.
1: genius kids I know
2: <laughs> and we had um we had a gorgeous curry uh last night the, the curry the katsu curry that yeah. I made and um Hazel was like mom loved it absolutely loved it but you know what was missing nan you know, could have done with nan. Mm. You know, so they just have so many opinions, and that makes them feel sort of in If you cook this certain type of rice, like my yeah. um my middle child who doesn't really like that much stuff, he has sort of latched onto you know fizzy, um, who is the mea the Ethiopian vegan stall um in Middleton. Yes.
0: Oh yes, and yes. she
2: sells her berber spice mix and I cook rice for him so I just cook put butter in a pan and then add like a teaspoon of the bear bear spice mix and then I add the rice and I fold it all over and then I add the water so but the rice is beautiful it's just really softly scented like he loves mm. that you know so like he's discovered through that that he actually loves spice and chilies and things like that so Brilliant. it's just sort of and you know some things I'm like that's just like the rice is just a little bit spicier and you know he'll sort of eat it then so it's kind of coaxing him um and sort of giving him control and you know making him think like you know what type of rice would you like and then he thinks it's his idea so and like they're not really ready like I would have thought my 10 year old was ready to help in the kitchen but he kind of he sort of starts me off with the recipe and then he says now you let me know when you're finished you know and he'll sort of walk away Mm, you know so like he'll put all the cupcake liners in the tin and then just walk away so he doesn't have the um interest in it just yet but I think sort of giving them the control really helps and actually my daughter last night was in bed, with the uh, neighborhood app open, just adding things to basket That's one
1: of her yes. things that she loves. Yes as she should <laughs>
0: <laughs> a, a, a little bit scary about the kids and technology thing there but the the kids in they're incredible
2: <laughs> they're so well able to do that oh my god yeah. but that's how they love they love like visual things and being controlled and like that the cookbooks like they love looking through cookbooks mm. and you know it's so funny the things that they'll pick out you know they'll pick out the things with the pink pickled onions and they'll say that looks mm. amazing like i'd love to try that so yeah, the and they stuff. always surprise me with this they always surprise me so um <laughs> mm. it is it is really you know just letting them have a bit of control and you know making it a um a democracy you know like we all mm, have a say yeah. we all have a vote and that seems to mm. really work um but yeah so they are very opinionated about everything and but they can't mm. cook yet themselves so hopefully that sort of right. balance out yeah, yeah exactly
1: i've also kind of found being being a little bit forward thinking as well and saying to yourself trying to introduce that on a monday night or a tuesday night when there's been the first day back to school you're home a little bit late because there was some gymnastics you know that's Mm -hmm. not the right time to try and convince her to eat a different vegetable but Mm, yeah on a friday evening when everyone's in good form we all got home a little bit earlier and there was a swimming thing which was fun and you know that the mood is going to be good Mm. she tends to be more open to having Exactly. different types of things you know and if she's and not starving
2: lunch, if she's not really hungry as well i think you know it's you can,
1: how, how little you can they can eat them. When, they, when they don't when they don't want to like yeah. my younger one rose eats a lot but ada ada could go with like little bites like how are you and she's so tall like like where's like a little bird (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah. well
2: I think things like um you know the hidden veg sauce and things like that like that's how I like soup is amazing like soup is a great way to and I know it's not about disguising vegetables like I always I always give them something like a white soup and then afterwards I'm like what was in that you know and there was Mm. like fennel leeks celery potatoes parsnip you know and then they're mm. always like wow I didn't realise that was in it and you know, so I sort of try and get them to do it that way, you know, and um, mm. get vegetables in some other ways. And I mean, the sort of the pizza sauce that I put on pizzas has all sorts of vegetables in it and they just eat it. No problem. You know, they don't realize. Mm. Yeah. So um, mm. i
1: taking um, staying on the home cooking theme. OK, have you any top tips for like things to incorporate into your home that makes food more enjoyable?
2: um like things like equipment like a food processor and things like that.
1: Yeah, well okay, I'll give you my cuz I thought about this. So I I'll give you my yeah. examples. popcorn kernels, always having popcorn oh, yeah. kernels. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's just like a really light easy thing you can give and it's very very simple it creates no mess and you don't mind if they eat loads of popcorn it's mostly air, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um okay, equipment, a microplane?
2: Oh yeah, my yeah. So, I I think a uh, food processor, I've used my food processor. I've had one that I have um for like 10 years I'd say and I use it loads but like especially for um you know the slicing one for all like sauerkraut kimchi all that sort of stuff I use it slicing grating and just when Mm. you're doing bigger project things like that like for all the fermentation things I would use my food processor but the Nutribullet like it's a KitchenAid it's a KitchenAid food processor um, and it really has like, you know, it's kind of a dark red color, so it's kind of dated at this stage and I'd love to replace it, but it's indestructible. Like it's actually yeah. incredible. So, um, so I'm going to have that for another 10 years, I'd say, but, um, I would say the Nutribullet is amazing as well for kind of whipping up things like satay sauces and mm. just everything like smoothies, absolutely everything. And especially with kids now, just, um, you know, I'm not going to say like sneaking fruits and vegetables into things, but I mean. That is what it is like. It's, you know, putting fruit into things and, you know, just the Nutribullet is great for smoothing things out because they can be kind of sensitive to texture as well. Sometimes I think that can just turn yeah. them off something. Mm. So um, mm. so the Nutribullet has been great for that. And just good chopping knives. I absolutely love chopping knives. Um, I have great ones. I can't remember where they're from now. It's some Swiss brand. It's not Victorinox. But they're really good. And I've had them for like six years. Um, and mm. like wooden chopping boards. I absolutely love wooden chopping mm. boards. And I mean, you, do, you just don't need fancy stuff. Like that's what I found really. Just as long as I have a good mm. knife, a wooden board. Um, my pans, I'm obsessed with my pans, are the stainless mm. steel Le Creuset set. And I love mm. them because, I mean, I burn things and I forget things around the hub and I do all sorts of things mm. and they clean really, really well. They're absolutely amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I do so yeah. love them. I do love them.
0: Lily, quick one. Favorite ingredient
2: um,
1: at the moment.
2: At the moment, well, my kind of my kind of fancy favorite ingredient would be gotcha jang paste. You know, for making what kimchi is that? and adding it to everything so it's like yeah the Korean fermented chili paste yeah Um, and I bought it like years ago just used for kimchi but then I'm sort of adding it to everything and it's absolutely delicious you know a teaspoon into Mm. soup and all those sort of things but like my favorite everyday ingredient would be butter of course butter um because you know adding a teaspoon of butter to gravy sort of enriches it all sorts Mm. of vegetables made better with butter um, you know I just mm. find butter is just transformative and miraculous mm. you know and it's Irish it's really simple it's a really pure ingredient um, mm. so I would say I'm a big fan of butter
1: do you know I get bullied about butter here why do you <laughs> yeah because the, initially oh, it's, but, olive know, it's oil. oil like it's olive oil and and mm-hmm. it's 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 not that they don't like butter but it's like it's a missed opportunity for oil you know so yeah I put butter on my potatoes all right shocker that's disgusting for from Ada's (laughs) point of view like she just can't (laughs) handle the thought of that they pour olive (laughs) oil onto their their fluffy potatoes they pour olive oil like and they they mash it up but it's probably Um, beautiful
2: olive oil that's local to them like you know that I suppose that's the difference if we grew up with that you know if we had access to it so easily
1: it's grassy and green as opposed to like Mm. the yellow oils that you'd kind of expect olive oil to be. It's Mm. not, it's, it's, and yeah, of course I like it, but I, I, you know, there needs to be more butter for sure. Um, (laughs) favorite place to eat at the moment.
2: Um, at the moment, yeah, like maybe probably my favorite place to eat at the moment terrible. would be either at home or like food stalls at markets you know like I just love yeah. mm. food stalls and markets where everyone can get different things that they want so like Middleton mm. market on a Saturday or even like mm. going into the English market and getting like I just love the nachos for my goodness you know or getting them on a Thursday yeah. at Mountain and Boyd market um I just love their food I love their cooking and it's done with love mm. and passion and tastes incredible so fresh so I and I love that because everyone can get something different and mm. we all get to pick out what we want so I that actually is sort of the key to like I hate going somewhere like recently we went somewhere, all five of us, the whole family, and we booking for five o'clock. We were all out of there for six o'clock. And we'd spent 120 euro. It didn't feel like yeah. an experience, you know, we were just sitting there kind of, ooh, you know, waiting for our food to get there and stuff. So that didn't feel like any type of eating experience. Whereas the hustle and bustle, you know, giving the kids money and then they go and get something and they come back and explain what they mm. bought, you know, or like they've said, like they put the tortilla chips in the burrito, you know, and they're thrilled, you know. So yeah. like, that's really good.
1: So way way of eating rather than what you're eating is is, is much better than that. And I completely agree with you. The
2: food, the stalls are incredible quality. Like the food is amazing. Like it really isn't what it used to be years ago. Like, you
1: know, so. uh, uh. Yeah, I find it a little bit tough here because there's a real kind of culture for restaurants, much more so than in Ireland. Mm. Like Mm. there really isn't very many other ways to meet up with someone. Like even when you do it and you say like, you know, would you like to meet up for a coffee? They're kind of like, "Uh, okay because like coffee you just take a coffee you just take a coffee randomly yeah. when you want a coffee you certainly don't make a social event out of it so you're like come on we go for coffee and they're like right and then you're sitting there and they're like will we get a table somewhere you know it's like the, everyone just drifts into you know a two and a half hour meal which is lovely and they don't eat a huge amount you sit there for a very long time but you just eat small things three three okay. of them usually sometimes four but um mm-hmm. yeah the I crave a small little bit the kind of more informal eating of just like grabbing something here and there let's go i wanted to ask you Lily, a small bit about social media because as a food writer you are incredible at social media your social media account is a pleasure to look at all the time and i think a lot of social media in food is it can be a little bit sickening at times can you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about your approach to the work you do for your social media and what you kind of would like it to 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 be
2: yeah. Um, thank you, Jack. Um I think you know what, people love seeing chocolate and stuff, you know. I mean, yeah. it just kills me. People just want sugar and chocolate and that. And I think it's 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 sort of is more like uh entertainment than informative. You see, that's what people really mm. want is the chocolate wow. and that. But like what I'm trying to do is um sort of basically I on my social media I'm very different to the way I'm in my written work. Um, it's just like a completely different language, really, where you have to um, have to communicate completely differently so Mm -hmm. like that's what my my degree is in visual communications um in CIT so I did all the design stuff first um and then I thought like oh my god I'm never going to use that but actually it's coming in now with all this type of work that I do but I just think it has to be really bright it has to be really visual mm. um mm. it's just sort of hop off the screen of people it has to be encouraging and it has to be sort of looking like it's easy to do but sort of a fresh take yeah. on something and I love to um incorporate like food waste and sustainability and you know getting the most from the money that you spend cooking like i think that's really important like maximizing you know a vegetable or something that you have so um and also like even with my own kids i'm kind of doing less and less kind of uh meat you know cooking less and less meat or Mm. or having meat as like almost a part of the dish and you know not the main event i just think that's really important Mm. and it's kind of trying to shift people's mindset like we have amazing meat here in ireland and we're so lucky for that um, mm. but it's just kind of trying to incorporate it differently and trying to get people's head around it differently that it's not like meat and two veg, but it's kind of, mm. you know. It's kind of, you know, thinking differently and cooking differently, using it differently, you know, like using chorizo just to sort of flavor the dish and almost as a garnish as opposed to, Mm. you know, very meat heavy. Um, Main ingredient, yeah. But I love just encouraging people, is the main thing, just encouraging people to cook. So, like you were saying about, you know, if people pick five recipes with loads of different ingredients, like that person who does a big complicated meal is less likely to want to cook again. But you want to share with people recipes that they will cook and that they'll pass on to other people. that you know it'll
1: become part of their repertoire and your fridge is full of half half amounts of loads of different mm. things that you then have to try and use up and it, it mm. can be very tricky to use up you know a third of a bunch of coriander and half a tin of 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 tomatoes or some, you know as as it spills down through and you're trying to to get it yeah. all out you know mm. so yeah and I that just all just that, leads that to that food waste like doesn't it just leads yeah. to food waste yeah and mm-hmm. wasting money mm-hmm. at the end of the day
2: yeah totally. The,
1: um, the speaking about kind of managing your house, managing your money, managing your budget, have you any particular things you've realized in terms of cooking at home and creating a good food environment at home? Because definitely, I always enjoyed cooking and I did it probably in the other way the one of buying loads of different things to make the meal that I saw that I thought was amazing, the recipe I really, really loved. And then the next three or four nights, I'm out with friends or working late or doing, you know, and then it's dying in my fridge. Now that I have kids, it's a. Uh, Three meals a day, seven days a week, always. So I kind of have this opportunity to run my home a little bit like a commercial kitchen now. And I'm now realizing that there are tips and tricks and ways of doing that. So like if I'm making a wet dish, I'll always make double and I'll always freeze it Mm -hmm. because it's just super handy then. So my freezer is Mm -hmm. filled with two weeks worth of things we've already eaten that'll then get recycled out. So, for example, a super stew, I'll always make double. And, and that's kind of have you any other tips and tricks in terms of how to keep your home kitchen less of a job and and, and working a little bit better
2: yeah well um that sounds really good that you do that I wish I was as organized as you basically <laughs> but I think the freezer is really great the freezer is fantastic and it's a tool that's there to be used um yeah. and I think just sort of wrapping your head around fermentation and the possibilities there you know if you've got a jar of like pickles on the go like that's really fantastic. You can just keep chopping it up and you can keep adding to it. And I find that really, really handy. Um, And just that I think fermentation is amazing because people find it really daunting. But once you've learned how to do a few quick pickles and things like that, then you'll know Mm. that that stray carrot can just be thrown into it. Um, Mm. And also I love having like a big scrap thing in the freezer of... um, Uh, vegetable peelings and things like that for making stock Mm. I think stock is Mm. so handy so I have loads of jars in my freezer of it just looks like sort of gray liquid and that's all stock and it's just like gold (laughs) to me so sometimes (laughs) at night I think like what am I cooking tomorrow and I'll probably use stock like I use it for cooking rice for absolutely everything so I'll take a jar out of the fridge um but I think lists like I'm just such I have to be a list maker because I'm super scatty so I just love making lists all the time for things um and I found that a really good way of like cutting down food waste and kind of simplifying things in the kitchen so like when we were growing up we had a massive family like I learned how to cook all the recipes were for 10 people 10 people 10 people like when I was growing up so I never actually did like buying just special ingredients it was always like my mother saying you know there's beef mince there and there's potatoes and I have to drop such and such into her music lesson. And when I come back then, blah, 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 blah. And then me just being there, you know, 16, being like, okay, okay. You know, <laughs> what will I do with this? Yeah. So it's a, it was a really different style of cooking, a different way to learn how to cook. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And like, that's, that's where I'm coming from is like, having a big family and everyone needing to get fed and trying to please everyone mm. with like mm. dishes that aren't too crazy in those years. Um mm. and then of course went to Balamaloo and learned, you know, a different way or a similar way to cook but sort of different and just it opened up mm. a lot more to me. So um it's always been from the sort of food waste and what have we got in the fridge, how to make something good out of it approach for me. Um,
1: So, Lily, I heard that you recently received an award, like a new, you're the first, in the first year. Can you tell us about the award?
2: You know what? I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. I'm trying <laughs> to remember the It's in the other room. It's a, it's a, so last year was the first year of the Irish Food Writing Awards, um, and it's the brainchild mm-hmm. kind of the lockdown project of Suzanne Campbell, the RT reporter, and, and Paul O'Connell. Mm-hmm. So... They did this amazing award, and it's just sort of um, there was loads of different categories in it. So I shortlisted in the online one um, and then the cookery writing one. So I won the cookery writing one. So I was thrilled because that's kind of my main um,
0: congratulations. That's my main mm-hmm.
2: profession, I suppose, is uh, cookery writing. Yeah. So, um, so it's really great, and didn't expect to win it or anything. Um, but yeah, it's just such a fantastic accolade accolade and I immediately felt Mm. like I'm gonna just quit now you know that's the problem with things like that when you (laughs) when you get recognized for things you think I'm gonna move on to the next thing now um but it Mm. was really good to get it and it's kind of funny because when you're working kind of freelance like that and you don't really have like a boss or anything and there's no kind of structure to it um, it's sort of yeah. unusual for something like I member the Food Writers Guild and we have all our monthly meetings and everything. Um, but that's kind of different. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it was really great to get. And they have it every year and they have a section for podcasts as well, which would be amazing mm-hmm. to enter. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> um, so it's kind of spreading the word about the awards you definitely should your podcast is brilliant um oh, so yeah, so it's really good and it you know i mean these awards they've had these awards in england for years and years as well so it's just great to mm. see an irish version popping up
1: yeah amazing great. well congrats well and definitely definitely well deserved yeah um yeah. well lily we're, we're not going to waste much more of your time are you what are you doing today are you testing recipes or are you writing something or do you have a deadline or what are you doing
2: Yeah, well, I just find a recipe there um, before I came on. So that's done. So I always feel relieved when I've met a deadline. Um, But I was going to film two recipes there now and I was going to make dinner for tonight. So It's like a mixture of all sorts of things um, every day, but it's great.
0: Good stuff. Well, have a happy day in the yes. kitchen. Thanks and so thanks, much for your time. Thanks for having me on, guys. you, are brilliant. Thanks, mate. And the podcast is fantastic as well. Love us. So thank you, Lily. That was so lovely for all the chat. Really enjoyed it. It was super.
1: Absolutely. If you want to stay up with Lily, you just go to her Instagram page at lily underscore Higgins underscore.
0: And check out the link in her bio because she is going to bring you to lots of recipes, her website, and so much more. We can't wait to see what she's going to come up with next.
1: Until next week, guys. Absolutely. Hit subscribe and next week we're talking about... It's
0: a secret. Don't tell them. Keep them in suspense. (laughs) Bye. Bye.